Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Happy New Year, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I hope 2012 has gotten off to a great start for you. You know, I've received a lot of emails from folks who adopted new pets over the holiday season. Couldn't be more pleased about that. And I have a lot of general pet care questions in the mailbox that... Of course, pet care comes with new responsibilities, so Marianne, Dell, and I will cover some of those questions and a few other must-know topics for new pet owners. Then, after our half-time break, pet communicator Terry Steuben will be stopping by to talk about her brand-new book, which has a lot of truly interesting information. I know you'll enjoy this, our first episode of 2012, so sit back, relax with your pets, and we'll be back in just a moment here on AM 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is the incomparable Marianne Dell. Happy New Year, Marianne. Happy New Year, Marie. Hey, you know, I have heard from a lot of uh, radio show listeners that a lot of people have adopted pets over the holidays, which is really exciting. It is. I know a lot of groups have Home for the Holidays and that type of promotions to try to get animals out of shelters and into homes for the holidays, and I think it's great. Uh, I just hope that everyone who's adopted realizes this isn't just something that's under the tree, and if you don't mm-hmm. like it, you can take it back. Right, exactly. They're home forever, not just for the holidays. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of problems can people expect to encounter during these uh, first few weeks of having a new four-legged family member? Well, gosh, you know, it's an adjustment period, and I always try to explain to adopters that taking an animal and putting it into a new home, whatever the dynamic is in that home, is kind of the same thing as those TV shows that used to be on, like Big Brother, where you are put into a place with other people you don't know, Mm -hmm. excuse me, or you could liken it to moving into a sorority or a house you're going to share with people in college, and everybody else there knows each other, and you're the odd man or odd woman out. And when you first get there, you often are a little reticent. You're generally quite polite and quiet and try to feel your way around. And then once you get comfortable, your true personality starts to come out. And you kind of figure out where you can push boundaries and what you really have to do and what rules really pertain and which ones are there to be broken or ignored. Well, animals are the same way. 
Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who have said, well, we brought the dog home, and he was so good. He had one little potty accident, and then he was so quiet, and he never barked. And we've had him for three weeks now, and all of a sudden he's barking at everybody, all mm-hmm. our friends who come over and the mailman and, and us when we come home. And it's that same phenomenon. Mm-hmm. He's comfortable now, uh-huh. and he's starting to let his true personality come out. And that's when you have to start, that isn't when you should start, excuse me, trying to set the rules. You really need to start setting guidelines and being consistent, albeit in a positive way, the same as you would with children, Mm -hmm. as soon as you bring the animal home. If you want to have a dog, for instance, who sits before you feed him his meal, then teach him to sit as soon as you get him home. If he already knows, which many do, then start asking him to sit before you put the food bowl down. Ah. Uh, If you want to have your cat use the litter box right away, now I'm not as good with cat behavior as I am with dogs, Mm -hmm. but I know that an awful lot of cats are come litter box trained, but Mm -hmm. make sure they know where the litter box is and that they have easy access to it. Probably a smaller area for the kitty to live in when you first bring a kitty home. Don't let it have the full run of the house. That way it will really get to know where the litter box is and where a nice safe place at the house is that it can always retreat to if it's nervous. And then once you do let it have the full run of the house, it'll know how to get back to the litter box. Absolutely. And good advice for a dog, too, because we don't really know what the dog's going to be like. Is the dog house trained or will the dog maintain its house training in a new house or will it need a refresher in Mm -hmm. this house? I always advise people, and I always do this when I get a new pet, pick an area, kitchen, a laundry room, um, a bedroom, but someplace, and let the animal have that room. Uh, Let it sleep there. That's where it goes when you're not home, and let it get comfortable there, and then gradually expand its permission areas in the house one room at a time. Mm -hmm. It can be out, you know, with a dog, you can put the leash on a dog, put a harness and a leash, and let it be with you in the house, but keep it tethered to you with that leash so that you know if it starts to sniff on the ground and circle, oh, let's get him outside, mm-hmm. let him do his potty where he should be doing it, and then you can reward him for doing it in the right place. Uh, it just makes for a more consistent demeanor with you for the dog, and it makes things a little easier for you as the new owner to handle. Great advice. Hey, Marianne, I received one email in particular where somebody adopted a dog shortly before the holidays, so they've had it for a few weeks now, and they already had a dog at home. They adopted it to be a little buddy, and now it's become super dominant over the dog that already lived at the household to the point where the other dog is feeling bullied and seems to cower and and isn't as happy and playful as it used to be. What steps can these people take to kind of help even things out a little bit? Well, the first thing I would do is get that new dog, and this advice goes for all new pets also. Um, Get the pet to your veterinarian and have him or her checked out right away. It gives you, hopefully, a clean bill of health, and it also gives you a baseline from which all further medical examinations can grow. If if you don't know from the get-go that your animal is healthy, how do you know if it gets sick in six months or a year or two years? 
when that could have happened or what some of the causes could have been. Mm-hmm. So I would take that new dog and get it checked out by the vet, make sure that there's no physical causes for the behavior. could be in some pain somewhere. Maybe it's got some arthritis. Uh, maybe it's got a urinary tract infection. Maybe it's got an ear infection. Well, actually, this dog is very young and very playful, and it's just completely dominating the the it's, dog that already lived there. It's just being too pushy. Yeah. That's, that's a little trickier. Uh, what I would do is make sure that both dogs get some equal time, and I would keep them separated right now because you don't want that new dog bullying that young Old, the dog that's been there longer and having that old older dog or the dog that's been there a longer time feel that, you know, his place in the home has been completely turned topsy-turvy, which is probably what he's feeling like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a younger dog can just be too much for an older dog. And I would find other ways to, <clears throat> excuse me, channel the newer dog's playfulness uh, see if he likes balls or tug toys or something like that, and give him his time with family members playing with toys. A lot of times when we get a new dog to be a companion to an older dog, you know, it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. It's just like, are you going to like your roommate in college? Who knows? <laughs> some people do, some don't. Uh-huh. And, you know, we put these two dogs together, and they may have met, at a neutral place, at a rescue location or a shelter, and it may have been fine mm-hmm. because, again, of that idea that both dogs are kind of on their best behavior because they're not not—they're outside of their comfort zone. Right. And now that they're both in their comfort zone, well, the pushy behavior of the new dog is coming to the fore. Uh, so I would look at ways to channel that that don't involve his always wanting to go after the new dog and play with it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's more playful than aggressive, mm-hmm. which is good because at least we're not talking about an aggressive situation where we could have some dangerous potential right. um, of someone getting injured. Mm-hmm. But sometimes some dogs are just too pushy. Um, something else they could do is let the dogs be together in supervised activities that don't involve one of them pummeling the other, take them on walks together. If the new dog is calm around the old dog, then reward him. Find out what he really likes, hot dogs, cheese. If he really likes the ball, they're walking together nicely. Toss the ball, um, put him on a long line, don't let him run free, uh, and let him go chase the ball and bring it back. Um, and, you know, do this in a safe area where he's not going to run out in the street and possibly get hit by a car, Mm -hmm. obviously, Mm -hmm. Um, and reward him for being calm around the other dog and reward him by letting him get his need to play and need to be active out in other ways. Okay. Now let's say he's intimidating the other dog to the point where the other dog feels like it can't even eat its food safely around the newcomer. Uh, Should they be fed in different rooms, perhaps? Absolutely. Um, I always feed new dogs separately until I know how they're going to behave. Um, I, and this this doesn't necessarily pertain to this, but I always test my new dogs to see if they have any possession issues with food. Mm -hmm. And a way to do that safely is to put a bowl of something not all that exciting, like kibble down, Mm -hmm. and while the dog is eating, take up, 
uproom, something like that, and just with yourself at a safe distance, push the ball a little bit with the broom or touch the ball with the broom. Does the dog react? Does he snap and snarl at the broom? Does he start eating faster? Does he tense up? Or does he just look at the broom and go back to eating? Mm-hmm. Um, the former is going to tell you there are some issues, and you definitely will want to feed him separately and not mess around with trying to pick the food up. And my advice, if there is that type of an issue, is to contact a professional because possession aggression really isn't something you want to try dealing with on your own. Excellent advice. Well, we got to get you back on the show again real quick because I know there's a lot more uh, that we need to address from questions that we've received from listeners. So let's get you back on the show maybe in a week or so, and we can talk about this some more. Sounds good. We need to take a quick pet place break now, but don't go away. Animal communicator Terry Steuben is waiting in the wings to talk about her brand-new book, and we'll be right back here on K Mozart 1260. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is author and animal communicator Terry Steuben. Happy New Year to you, Terry. Happy New Year to to you, Marie, and thanks for inviting me. Well, it's always fun to have you on the show, and, and we've talked about animal communication in the past, but for listeners who may not have heard some of those episodes... Can you tell me a little bit about what animal communication is? Well, basically what animal communication is is uh, that I hear what animals say. Evidently, it's uh, I can tune into the frequency that they're on for some reason. And uh, it wasn't until I was in about third grade that I didn't realize everybody else didn't do it. <laughs> that is so funny. So all your life you just felt this was normal, and then people started telling you, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was kind of quite an abrupt situation when I was in third grade, and it ended up making me kind of like the voodoo lady. So, um, uh-huh. uh, fortunately for me, we moved away from there, uh-huh. and I kind of kept it quiet uh, for a few years after that until I became an adult. Oh, so. okay, okay. So, how long have you actually been doing this for a uh, profession? Uh, I started doing this professionally in about the year 2000. Okay. Uh, a lot of my friends were just saying, well, you're doing this, so why don't you make it a business? So um, instead of doing corporate banking and property management, I decided, okay, I will go ahead and tell everybody that I do talk to animals. Uh, that was a bit of a leap. What kind of reaction did you get? Some good, some delighted, some were like sticking their hand in my face like a stop sign. So <laughs> I've had all kinds of reactions, um, uh-huh. and after a while you just kind of go, okay, whatever. Well, that's very cool, but let me ask you, as far as a profession goes, what is actually involved in animal communication? What are you doing to make money with this um, to help people, to help animals? Wow, you'd be surprised. It it, it just seems endless because... There are so many things that come up with animals that uh, challenges in behavior, um, soiling issues, sibling disputes, biting, separation anxiety, chewing on the sofa, um, jumping, barking, fear of noises, scratching, trauma issues, um, rescued pets have their own issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also puppy education, health issues, clarifying symptoms for vets, um, helping 
pa- passing pets so that their messages get across to the people they're with. Oh, wow. And then also um, I do another little thing, which is uh, I can talk to deceased animals. So wow. sometimes even after they're gone, they're not really gone. Well, that's really interesting. And how do people get a hold of you if they need your services? Um, actually, they can go to my website, which is www. TerrySteuben.com. That's mm-hmm. T-E-R-R-I-S-T-E-U-B-E-N.com. Okay. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Okay. Well, I do have some questions relating to some of the behavioral issues that you talked about. I know that even if you can communicate, like if you communicate with your children and tell them, I don't want you to do this anymore, and, and they still do it, communication isn't necessarily going to solve the problem. So is there something I'm not understanding? If if a pet has developed a behavioral issue and and you find out why it's doing it and you explain in whatever way you do that it shouldn't be doing that, how do you know you're going to be effective? Well, the behavior of the pet changes immediately. And a lot of times uh, what I have found is that sometimes we're saying things that help them be bad. And uh, by changing a few words, uh, it changes the pictures in our mind, Mm -hmm. which then changes their behavior. Uh, I've been known to take one pet from one house, put them in a totally different house, and have no behavior the same as it was in the first house because the people in the second house have no pictures of what the people in the first house were afraid of. Okay. So that's one thing. Another thing is by explaining to the pet what the situation is and why we want them to do a certain thing. Uh, and if it's a reasonable cert- something, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, they're okay. It would be, But if it's not reasonable, they're probably not going to do it, just like you or I wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. And and how? what do you do then with the people? Let's say we've got a pet and it's uh, digging its feet into the ground and it's not going to change because it feels the situation is inappropriate. What's your next step? Well, sometimes what we can do, like say for digging, uh, a situation in digging, and I, I had this happen a couple of years ago. The the dog was digging up all kinds of plants in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So we had to explain to the dog that the flowers were to enjoy the smell of them and that they needed to, and we basically made a place for them to dig and say, this is it's okay for you. We kind of made a sandbox area. Mm. And we said, if you want to dig, you can dig here. Because some, some breeds of, of animal like to dig in the ground and lay in it because it's cool in the summertime yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. So we just made a space for them to do that. Uh, what happened, though, after I left was pretty funny. They planted a whole area of plants, had the discussion with them, but unfortunately they skipped one area, so that's the area that they dug in. Ah. It was pretty funny. So they went back out, and then they explained to them, this is an area as well, and this is your area to dig in. Mm-hmm. And they were okay with that. And and everything worked after that? Everything worked just fine. That is yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, to see, the benefit for them is they got to smell the pretty flowers, too. Okay. So we have to relay it back to them. All right. Otherwise, um, it's, like, not going to happen. Okay. Now, I've heard of uh, people telling me that their cats are throwing tantrums over various things. How do you address a cat who's perturbed? Oh, my. Cats are very interesting creatures. Uh, I have run across, oh, gosh, many, many, many. Um, 
we have to sometimes barter with cats, <laughs> and sometimes they have just cause for what they're doing. Uh-huh. Uh, but we have we have to sit and negotiate and find out what's wrong before we can fix the problem. Okay. But cats are very ingenious little creatures, uh-huh. and they have some of them are just the boss, and we have to understand that they're the boss. Okay. And we go we go from there. <laughs> So do you come up with solutions that make them think that they're still the boss, but then you're correcting the behavior? Absolutely. Can you give me some examples of some of uh, some of your behavior issues with kitties and how you resolved them? Oh, my. Let's see. A behavioral issue with a kitty is an interesting situation. Well, I can give you, uh, let's see, getting on the kitchen counter. Oh, yeah. It's one that's a common thing. Mm-hmm. And we have to explain, uh, with one cat, we had to explain that when mom is preparing food, that the food needs to be kept, you know, a certain way, and that it's unacceptable for them to be on that counter. So what we did is we pulled up a chair alongside so that they could sit on the chair and still observe. Oh, okay. And then that way they could be the boss. Wow, and that was all right with the kitty. It worked for the kitty. It worked at that house. Well, that's great. Yeah. Hey, I understand you have a new book out. What's the title, and, and tell me a little bit about it. Well, the book, yes, the, delighted to have the book out, actually. It's called Secrets of a Pet Whisperer, Stop Telling Your Animals to Misbehave. Ah, very, very good title. And what the book is about is what you do that's communication, not mm-hmm. what I do. Okay. So you're subtly sending your pets all kinds of messages that you probably don't mean to send. Right. Let me give you an example. If I say to you, for example, when you were a kid, you went to a lake. Mm -hmm. Now, immediately, you and everybody in your audience gets a picture of a lake that they've been to. Right. Now, what happens is all animals are telepathic, and they watch the picture in your mind. Mm -hmm. They hear your words, but they see that picture, and they do that first. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, you say to a dog, don't jump on people. The picture of that is actually them jumping on people. Okay, so even though you're saying don't, you're picturing the dog jumping up on somebody and that's what they're seeing. Right, and then they actually hear the don't, but they see the picture and they do the picture first. Uh Then they hear the don't and they jump off. So what they're doing is they're jumping on, jumping off, jumping on, jumping off. Ah, so you're totally confusing your pets when you do this sort of thing then. Right, and what (laughs) then, you know, by saying this, and then you get mad at them and they're looking at you just like, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. So instead what you should say is, I need for you to sit down. Yes, that would work perfectly. (laughs) Actually, that works with people too. I've always heard that you never use don't expressions with anybody because everybody always hears the positive part of the sentence rather than the negative part subconsciously and you still won't get the results you want. Exactly. So I thought yeah, teachers use this and I find that teachers, interestingly enough, have a hard time with this this process because they teach kids all day and then when they come home they realize they gotta do the same thing with their pets. Yeah. Yeah. Because if so you think about it they'll say out. walk mm-hmm. instead of don't run. They mm-hmm. say walk. So uh, it's the same thing with animals because they watch the picture. Okay. So you always want to phrase something in the positive in the behavior that you're wanting. That's correct. 
Excellent. Hey, I know there are a lot of other books out there about animal communication. What makes yours unique or different? Well, actually, this process I have not read about in any book anywhere. Okay. And it's uh, as usually the animal communication books go off into the psychic era area, and they have tried to to exercise the muscle in your psychic area. Mm-hmm. And the difference about this book is it's so simple. There's even a a, a graph in, in uh, chapter two. There's a chart that shows what to what you're saying that's incorrect, what you're saying that could be correct to help them do the behavior you want them to do. Okay. And um, what it does is it allows the people to get what I call the power, the ammunition, so to speak, to work with their pets. And it can totally take me out of the, out of the uh, picture because if somebody reads this process and they understand it, they can start doing it immediately. Oh, that's wonderful. And I understand you also have a section on emergency response in your book, which is unusual for an animal communication book. It is, and that probably came about because I do disaster response for the Humane Society of the United States and American Humane Association. I went to Katrina, a lot of the wildfires we had here in California, and I found out that we were, um, a lot of folks are just not prepared there are things in the book of what you can say to your animals to get them ready, mm-hmm. um, uh, working on possibly a, a grab-and-go kit uh, for your pet, which is really simple. Just walk around the house and pick up a couple of things because what happens is a lot of people have a difficulty understanding that at the local gas station, if they have the gas truck come in and it tips over and starts to spill fluid, mm-hmm. there is an evacuation for a five-mile area. Wow. So you could all of a sudden be, you know, taken out of your home with your pets. And if you have a little bit of preparedness in a bag, you're good to go. Oh, yeah, and we can't stress that enough here at the Pet Place. We talk about disaster preparedness all the time, so I'm glad you're promoting it in your book also. And by the way, where can people buy your book if they're interested? Um, Right now they can go to the website, um, www.terrysteuben.com, and... um, the uh, publication date, actually, the release date is January 9th, but we've already been selling it on the website. And then uh, we're hooking up with Barnes & Noble and Amazon uh, in the near future. Wow, that's fabulous. Well, congratulations, Terry. Thank you very much. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I want to thank you so much for stopping by this morning. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It is time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place news and events. Are you ready for more action and excitement than Mission Impossible? Well, then you won't want to miss the Orange Crush Winter Games Flyball Tournament, which will be held on January 15th through the 16th. Dogs and their handlers will be competing in games of relay and obstacles that will have you on the edge of your folding picnic chair. The fun starts at 9 a.m. daily and is absolutely free. Just head on over to Hidden Valley Park located at 8800 Irvine Center Drive in the lovely city of Irvine. For more information, visit www.ocflyball.org. And don't forget to check out our website.
website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on KMozart 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.